Interview with Ron Rifle, Saturday, November the 25th, 2006, by Rhett Bartlett. I think I'll just put that there this Ron Rifle, thank you for your time. You're welcome. I always start off the interview by asking for your full name and your date of birth. Yeah, please. Uh, Ronald Francis Rifle, 15th of March, 1932. Lovely. Francis is your middle name? Yeah, no. But I was actually, there was a bit of a story in relation to my name. <laughs> well, when we, my wife and I went to uh, England and our, my passport ran out, yeah. and the first time we got a passport, you could take an extra. But the second time, we had to get a full um, full birth certificate. Yeah, so, all right. so when I got the birth certificate back, um, I, I was named uh, Donald. And written on it, I've got it. I've got a copy of it. So, so I had to change Donald his name. Donald is your middle name? Or no, Donald, my first name. Right. But I was, I was Ronald, especially Ronald. I, I don't know whether my dad told them the wrong name and they wrote it out. Because when I went there, they said, they, you're not, that's not you, sort of thing. So I had, to ch- I had to change my name. And this was only, say, 10 years ago. Yeah. So on your original birth certificate, your name was... And yet I can't work... I said to them, how do you get on... How do you work this out? Because on the extracts that I'd been using as a kid, you had to play for a football team, you needed underage teams, you had to get an extract of your birth certificate. And when I get the birth certificate, my name was Ronald Francis Wife. But when I went and got the the official one, um, it was Donald. I've written on it. I, I don't know where it is now, but it's here in the house. And, and I had to go and go to them and yeah. have paid to get my name changed to back the rock. Right. So so anyway, that's just... No, no, I'm fascinated by this. Uh, on your original birth certificate, it said Donald. Donald, hmm? Donald Francis Rifle. Yeah, but I was... I we was, don't know if that was a misprint or... Well, I think it was a misprint because my mum always... always Recognise that I was, I was wrong. No, I never called you Donald and as a child. No, she can remember never, thinking, why no, they call me Donald? No, because she she was a Ronald Coleman fan. Anyone who's got uh, who's got um, if I meet a Ronald and he's around my age, I'll say, I bet your mum was was a, he was a, the idol of the Matt Mays and those days. So, so yeah. So what was your mum's name? Florence. Florence. So, yeah. yeah, that was Lou. Yes. He had a, a, a quite an elaborate uh, a system of names. He was Guy Lewis Lindsay Rifle, which is quite a, uh, yeah. So he had two middle names? Guy Lewis Lindsay. Right. Yeah. And everyone called him Lou or Pop, you know. Yeah. He, he just be, yeah, I don't know why it was Pop. God, he got that nickname, Pop. So he didn't, say, he, did, he didn't tell you how he came about that nickname or obviously because of the surname? I was no, sure. I think they... Um, some of those um, Gurney or Wells used to oh. say it's only as big as a pop gun, you know, because I've showed you those cartoons and you find the, the balls through the goals, you know. So and, um, they said, oh, he's only, only the you know, size of a pop gun. So, so I think that might have uh, sort of what people called him that. But um, it was strange, in one of those reports I read where it said um, um, uh, rifle... But he's only a pistol. He's only the size of a pistol, and that was a nickname Paul. Used to, people used to call him pistol. So your father's nickname was Pop. Yeah. Paul's is pistol. Yeah. And yours? I was, well, I'd, I used to get a. You know, sometimes Morris or Fraser, a few of the older blokes, used to call me uh, Son of Pop. Yeah, or Young Pop. <laughs> I used to get that. Pop or something like that. So you didn't actually have an official nickname, but no, as such, you no, know, like Moira no, Wright was not a gentle giant. No, I never had a nickname. Goodness. No. So your father's, your, what do you know about your father's career? Well, as I said to you before, I was only young when he, when he, we came from Ballarat in 1936. He was recruited by Ballarat, mm. from Ballarat by Melbourne. Mm. Um, he was approached by Geelong and I think Richmond had an interest, but he, um, he, Melbourne because Beams was roving and they, they had sort of a, a position, yeah. whereas Richmond had Martin and Harris and he didn't think he'd get a game with them. Um, Geelong were another team that approached him because I think he played pretty well in some of the games against that they used to go up there and play. Mm-hmm. Geelong, Ballarat, Richmond, and that. 
But anyway, it came that I got to put us in a house in Richmond and, and got him a job uh, with the wool, wool for Lambricks, I think it was called. Yeah. And Johnny Lewis was was working with them too, the ex-Melbourne, uh, North Melbourne and Melbourne player. Yeah. They got him a job. They used to, Melbourne used to get their players jobs with uh, Vacuum Oil and Lambricks. They were two places that they brought players. Yeah. I think the, um, the, the schoolboy types went to Vacuum Oil and the battlers went to Lambricks. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, he had a job which was, in those days, in the middle 30s, was pretty important, you know. And, and so we lived in Richmond. They got us a place in Richmond, which was handy to the Melbourne ground. You know. Where Richmond were In Hyde Street. Right. Uh, between the West Richmond Station and uh, Church Street. You said Hyde Street. Hyatt. Yeah. H-O-T-A-T-W-T. Is the house still there? Yeah, it is, actually. Yeah. Um, there are terraces. Um, with a wrought iron fence along the front, they're still there. They're, not, they're nice places, and they're upstairs. And yeah. um, in fact, I was the only child, so we had plenty of rooms. There was there was a swear floor on the ground floor and a couple upstairs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And a lot of were a lot of Russian players around that area too. While you were um, did you see a lot of the actual senior players? Yeah, well, I didn't see them, but my dad was was very friendly with George Smeet and uh, Cotter, Jack mm-hmm. Cotter. Um, they were, and um, Jack Scott, yeah. they were, he was very friendly with them. Did you talk about Smeaton at all? Because I remember... Yeah, well, he used to come to our places quite a bit, yeah. George. Bobby called him, I think, the toughest player well, he's ever seen. Well, I saw George after the war, of course. Yeah. Um, didn't see him during the war, but he used to come to our place quite a bit. And, and he used to tell all his tales. And, yeah. and I used to love it, you know, just yeah. listening to it. But I think I mentioned the other night that um, my dad's friends were real Richmond fans. Mm-hmm. Like his people his age were were real keen Richmond players, and they used to, to tell me about Rudolph and Getty. So they were their favourites. You know, they went back in the late twenties. Um, they used to talk. Yeah, you know, I said uh, one of them, uh, Jack Hickey, was a great bloke and a great Richmond. Fan. He had a he used to have a tour of car, you know. And we used to go to sometimes go to the matches, and you know. And, and he used to say, "You can have." Oh, like one of those, uh, like I don't know, Chevy or something, yeah. but it had the tour of top, you know, like a canvas sort of tops on them, you know. Yeah. And we used to go to the different, sometimes go to Geelong, and yeah. and I can remember uh, to watch Richmond, you know, because he was a Richmond fan. Mm-hmm. But this. Um, I can remember him telling me he said he, he called into the little bar at the side of the of the grandstand at Punt Road and Rudolph was having troubles with the club at Richmond. He, yeah. he had some turmoil down there, you know, and uh, he said he's drinking in the bar during the game and he's getting a bit inebriated and he's yelling out. There's only one man out there better than me, and that's Geddes, you know. This is Rudolph, yeah. And uh, this Jack, I think he was telling me about it. He said he's really held the holes caught in the, in the bar. Yeah. I've never heard that story, ever. Yeah, he told me that. You story. must have a few stories like that. Oh, well, those blokes, I used to love it because they'd come to, to our place. Although I was sort of not Richmond, I was Melbourne because my dad, but we never had a team. Mm. Like, we never barracked for when we lived in Ballarat, or well, I was only little, but we didn't have a traditional team we followed. Mm. Like, he, my dad played for Ballarat Imperials, but I can't ever remember anybody in our family ever saying, oh, we're Hawthorne, or we're Essendon, or we're Geelong, or anything. They just were local, yeah. you know? But then when we came, we started it with Melbourne. He started at Melbourne. So we became, like, I just went to Melbourne. And, and then South, he played for South for a while. So, but then when I went to school, yeah. I went to school at St. X, and I, I remember I wore a Melbourne jumper one day to school for footy. We used, they said, we're having football today. <laughs> and I said, I only wore it once. So I never wore it again. That drove me mad. So, I was, it was around yeah. that time I think I changed to Richmond. Probably smart, yeah. <laughs> well, so, <laughs> You know, when it's saying goes, is in the barrack for one of these other teachers, you're really in trouble. So how did, you, how did your father go as a 
playing for Melbourne? I mean, have yeah. you, oh, from your own research and from what you can tell, well, he, he, or what he's he, spoken he, um, he, he, Well, he, he didn't, he only played probably 30, 40 games for him, but he, he kicked, he averaged about two goals a game for, mm. uh, for a rover, which wasn't bad, you know. Um, and looking at his, he kicked five a couple of times against Richmond, mm. and um, he kicked eight at Collingwood and Victoria Park one day, which I think was the best he's did. He was, yeah, recently he could, on his day, bag a few goals. You know, he's very small. He's only five foot six and nine stone six. Right. So he didn't have much on him. No. So did he, why did he go leave Melbourne? Well, they brought, he was getting hurt a lot. He was getting, he got cleaned up in the, one of the finals. Yes. Got, and, he, and Melbourne sort of were looking for someone a bit stronger. Right. So they um, they Rodder, I think Galvi Rodder and Barassi's father were stronger built people. So he was sort of at, at odds he wasn't getting a regular game then. So he went to South for a couple of years. So how did he go to South? Well he won their goal kicking in thirty nine he played and then nineteen forty he won their goal kicking. Wasn't probably many, thirty or forty goals I think, but he, you know, he, yeah, he was a good goal kicker. Mm. Um, but he, I only saw him play virtually uh, that I can remember. I used to go and, as I said, he'd all that stuff, he'd kick stones or something, and all of it, so it was at people's legs. <laughs> That's right. But I do remember probably in about 40, when well, he retired in 42, I think. Yeah, 42, so about 44 or 45. The Richmond United used to play on the Richmond Reserve behind the tech there. And they said to me, oh, they said to him, would you come and play for us? To my dad. And he'd retired a few years and he hadn't played football and, and they talked him into going to play. So by that time, you know, I'm about 12 or 13, so I'm sort of a bit more alert on it, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, we go over to, I go over to, the, to watch him play one day. He only played, I think, two games with it. But he played in the centre. And I think he kicked 12 goals this day. <laughs> I know that, you know, the Metropolitan League was, wasn't bad. I mean, he was kicking them from the centre. He's only a little player, and he was just kicking them miles. Mm. I was staggered. I couldn't believe it. Anyway, these started coming like missiles through the house, standing up the church street in goals, and I was sailing through the goals. So that's the only two games. And he played the two games, and then said, oh, I really want to do it. You know, they took him to I remember he kicked, I think the first game he kicked about 12 and he kicked about 6 or 7. The second game he was playing at centre. Yeah. What number did he wear? Did yeah, he wore number 2 for Melbourne yeah. uh, and five for, uh, 5 for South. What number did you wear for Richmond? 6. 6. Yeah, my, my records, Carl uh, Hutchison said to me, he said, you're one of the few blokes that will play the same number of games as your, as your number. <laughs> That's trivia. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I think Cole pushed up on that. that uh, you should take that one. I like that. That's uh, yeah. Did he up football? What did your father do? Or oh, well, he didn't play any sport. Much. Yeah. He, no, he didn't play sport. He, he did play a bit of social cricket, never played other sports. Mm. Although he was, he, there was a couple of um, running um, training people like wanted him to take on running and that because he was very fast you know well that's what people said he was you know and I could see the time that I was watching you know he was really and Dyer and then Blake said he was fast yeah. they used to tell me but he didn't take that up no 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 he wasn't uh, he, he could run like any because you know, if you're five foot six you've got to be up and go something yeah because he did get knocked around a bit I can remember him coming in one night with his Oh, after a final, I didn't know it was a final. It was just after a footy game, as far as I was concerned. But he came in, his head swathed in bandages. He'd been to the hospital, and he and gets Geelong in the final match. Not a grand final, it was a maybe preliminary final or second semi-final. He got cleaned up by Spike's elbow, but he was just a good height for big Spike's elbows. Yeah, so, but he did cop a few knocks. Yeah. So growing up yourself, what was your ambition? Uh, to play cricket for Richmond. And you succeeded? No. 
Yeah. <laughs> Actually, when I got the, when I was uh, asked to go down to Richmond, I wasn't home. I don't think when when I was practicing, I thought I was they'd ask me to come down and get ready for cricket training because it was about halfway through the year, not yeah. fifty. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, you know, Richmond want me. Yep. Mum sort of didn't know what, what was going on. What, what was it all about? Yep. Um, and I thought, oh, Richmond want. So do you remember that time vividly? I mean, did, oh, yeah, do, you quite, know, do you know who quite, came to the house? Or? Uh, Mel Wishart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mel was. Uh, well, Mel. I'm, I'm not sure when Mel came the first time because I wasn't there. But um, but Mel came yep. the second time and we went into the. Harrison House to um, register, you know, as a player. Because right. I was playing um, with um, the YCW under 18. So, you know, I was just playing sort of say, uh, church footy. Mm. And, um, and I got a, and they said, oh, no, came down and said, we want, to, want you to play in the seconds on Saturday, Richmond seconds. And uh, I'd never been to Richmond, never been down, only to watch, you know, so I'd never. So the next night, he, or that, that night we went on the tram into Harrison House and went through the, the league and I played on the Saturday with the second. So, but that following Saturday you didn't play? Mm-hmm. I trained on the one night under Panham, yeah. down on the Thursday night I trained and I played on the second on the Saturday. How old were you? I would have been 17 or Yeah, about I just turned over. So you're 17 year old who suddenly turned up to training. You just, yeah. your entire... Yeah. World almost <laughs> yes. spins around because yeah. now you're about to play football. That's right. Reserves the ball, but that's fine. That's so how did you feel when you came up to the club and you ran out in the ground? And well, when I, I, I was, well, at that time, I, you know, you just go out and um, we played out at Footscray, uh, Western Oval, mm. and it was a beautiful sunny day. The only trouble was a hurricane blowing down one end. <laughs> I reckon that's shock. I was blowing down the bottom end, you know, I used to blow like it, and I played on the wing, I remember, I was only new, you know, and they bounced the ball and someone booted it out and I was on that wing over, I think they called the Hawkins wing mm-hmm. over there, and I can remember, I took a mark, went back to kick it, and I kicked, I wasn't a very good kick, because that was one of my problems, and I think it probably went about 20 metres, and it went about 50 metres back out, blew out a bad sound into that road, I reckon. Along the side, and I thought, oh, I must have made a fool of myself, you know. <laughs> I was kicking, we were kicking up the drill all the you know. Yeah. And the guy I was playing down yeah. that way, not kicked it, but, but yeah, I wasn't really, uh, I was a bit, yeah, didn't really know what it was all about. But I did notice, uh, you know, the thing that struck me was that when I started, they said, oh, we'll come down and next week training, and I played the next week with. Again in North Melbourne, mm. uh, but I, just, I noticed that the the seconds and the first were different clubs. Well, the seniors trained and played at one end of the ground, and the seconds trained and and, and went into other rooms. Mm. So you virtually were separate. Did, did it ever converge or ever? Well, that's no, it was a strange setup because. That sort of surprised me because I came from a club, like even a junior club, everyone played together and knew each other. But the seniors were up here, and the first and seconds were down there. And when you played on a Saturday, there'd be a few of the seconds, first players who would drop, come down and play with the seconds. Mm, right. But Australia, like they had the seconds had their own president, their own secretary, their own social committee, their own the whole the whole life. Mm. They did their own annual reports. They did. Like they were two separate clubs, separate presidents, you know, committee, everything. Um, so it was, I don't know whether other clubs had that, uh, the same system or not, mm. but it was a strange one because the next year, by the way, I can remember really well when I did get picked in the first, we were playing at Hawthorne, and, and I got on the bus way out, the hall, out to the very able, and I'd been at Richmond half of 1950, all of 1951, until the last three or four games when I got picked. And I can remember Charlie Callender taking me around saying, this is Jeff Spring, this is Billy Wilson, this is Bill Morrow, you know. And I've been at the club a year and a half, and I've never met him. That's, that's, that's the way it worked. And <laughs> it was the strangest. I knew, say, Jack O'Rourke or... Uh, 
a couple of few of them, mm. and a few of the players who come up and down from the seconds yeah. to the seconds. But yeah, I'm introduced to all of the regulars. So Cole Austin, this is Cole Austin, this is Jeff Springs. Yeah, really a strange uh, setup. Um, and that stayed like that until virtually till the, uh, the, the take after my time when um, when Ray Dunn and that sacked them all a lot because they tried to take over. Remember, you've read that story. That's right. Yeah. Well, they, there were two clubs up until sort of the fact that they started playing curtain raises before the seniors. Mm-hmm. They didn't really need two clubs in, so that's when it stopped. Did you after you played your reserves matches? Would you go and watch the seniors? No, because we were playing at uh, the grounds. So you, weren't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't no. have the, the options? No. Uh, yeah. But when we played in the... Uh, then I played in a few games in the under-19s the same year, so and they played curtain races. races. Yeah. And that was great, because there was a great atmosphere there after half... especially at Punt Road, but yeah. after half-time there'd be you know, a big game, Carlton or something, they'd have the ground at full, just about. Right. People would get there earlier to get a spot. And here you are in the thirds or yeah, the third, right? still playing your second half of your big, match. Grandstands jumping, you know, and, uh, like big crowds. And, wow. And, uh, but when you played in the, in those days, you went to the seconds, it'd only be your mother and girlfriend or something. Parents and. Yeah, yeah. It was a different thing, but the, the clubs were two different clubs. So did, you, did your parents come and watch you while you were playing this? Uh, you know, yeah, and yeah mum used to come, she was more current than my dad, I think. Right. He, he, well, I think he was one of those fathers that never really um, wanted to intrude, you know, which was unfortunate because I've been the only child, I never had any mates around us. Mm. But I, I, I lacked, um, I could handle a ball and run and catch it, you know. but my kicking was very ordinary. Mm. And, I'd, and he never ever really worked on me, which a lot of parents didn't in yeah. those days, so they were reluctant to be, uh, to be pushy. Yeah. Did, so. the, did the players that you played with in the seniors were in the reserves, did they know about your father's footy career? Uh, like, the older ones did, Moxie yeah. and, and Bill Morris and yeah. those folks did, right. Desi Rowe and a few of them, maybe the older ones, they knew right. that. Mopsy was probably one of the senior players, Don Fraser, because he was, um, that helped me a bit because he knew an uncle of mine too, and he was very friendly with an uncle of mine, so he sort of did, when I got a little bit closer to him, mm-hmm. he really uh, tried to help me. So I never saw you play, no. so can you describe what Ron Rifle was like as a player? Uh, well, uh, as I said, I was probably a bit in so much as my dad, I could run okay, I was pretty fast, so, you know, that, uh, I won school sport, you know, a lot of those sprints and that, you know, because uh, I used to love that, because Jack Dyer used to come and present the trophies yeah. at uh, the Richmond Cricket Ground, you know, school, the combined sports and that. Uh, yeah, I could run all right, I could handle a ball very well. Yeah. Uh, and I think the report said when I got into the team I could take a better than average mark. I was overhead was good, but my kicking was poor. Right. It's a bit like Tunbridge, you know, it's a throw it up and kick it, you know, for the very pretty ordinary. Um, I can remember Dyer saying to me one day that I think I related it in this little memoir book we had, that, that, you know, little story that one day I was running off the ground at the end of the season, I was training, and he was standing in the race talking to Ralph Brown, I think, one of the reporters, I can remember that, yeah, he's no, and Jack was standing there with a football on his arm, and just as I got to the, up the run off the race, he shoved his arm out and he flapped me, you know, <laughs> said, hang on, I want to see you. And uh, so he kept, I just stood over on the side and he said a couple more words to the bloke and then said, see you later. And he came over and he grabbed the football and he's just give it to me, but he gave it to me while he took the wind out of his sails, you know. He said, there you are, son. He said, take this arm, practice your kicking over the, over the summer. He said, uh, 
he said, your old man was one of the best kicks in the league when he played. He said, you can't get over Buddy Jamty. Jackson. <laughs> he said, we were going to play on the floor, on the wing. He said, but we are afraid you'd kill all our forwards <laughs> with his floating punt kicks. <laughs> he said, we'd like to play you on the wing. You can run all right. He said, yeah. Did you take it home and have a bit of a kick? Or yeah, but I, kick I think it was probably a bit... I think football kicking is a thing to develop as a youngster. You're very young. It's very hard to change it as kicking style, uh, you know, once you mature. Mm. I, I, I really believe that. Mm. You can improve on it, which I did. You know, I was a, by the time I finished playing football, and when I started my kicks grew up and then I used to get ball out of the backyard. Or up the park, and that, and I can remember Kevin Boyson saying to me one day, Kevin, you sure thought you said you couldn't kick it, so well, I've improved, you know, because <laughs> we were able to kick up the park one day with our kids, you know. But, I, that's, but when it counted, I wasn't. Yeah. Molly Hunter coached us as a kid when I was playing the YCW, you know. but I don't ever remember him saying much other than, you know, don't forget your raffle tickets, you know. <laughs> but he was a good bloke, Don't forget your raffle tickets. Oh, well, you know, at school, those things, they give you raffle tickets to sell and yeah. all that. But Don't worry about your footy. Yeah, he used to, yeah. yeah. Although it was funny, Rory. You know, when you're a kid, you, you, you lose track of, of all um, perspective. You know, like, I didn't know, I knew Molly Hunter, I used to see him playing tennis up at the tennis courts and... I thought, yeah, pretty active sort of bloke, but I didn't really respect him as a like as a sportsman or anything. He looked at me so this big knee bandage on and that, you know. And then we got into the grand final uh, one year. We're playing um, in the grand final. Our church, this church, was a WT. And he said, oh, we're going to have a pie night down at my place on the Friday night or Thursday night before the game, the weekend, come, and all the team went. And I staggered, I walked into his house and there's all these photos of Richmond and Victoria and all of this. It's Murray, you know, like, I just thought he was an average bloke around, you know, he used to come on his push bike and, and I, I thought, oh, it changed my opinion straight away. I didn't know, you know, kids when you, you, you know Smeaton and Dyer, and, but you didn't know the previous history. I looked up and it's all these great photos of uh, Titus and Harris and Murray Hunter and then Victoria out right on the grannies playing for them, yeah. Goodness. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, so I wasn't really... Uh, uh, Murray never didn't really... I think he tried a few times to show me a bit, but I, I think I'd lost... I'd gone past it where I couldn't radically change it, you know? Right, yeah. A bit like Manson played the comic, you know, like a funny sort of style. So you right foot or left foot? I was a right foot. Did you keep any left at all? Well, not much. No. no. Or did many players I play? I probably wasn't any worse. Right. <laughs> but uh, no, you didn't really. Um, I probably should not have been a left footer because I used to. I think I held it too far in the centre. You know, I didn't get it over on the side. Probably <laughs> might have been a left footer kicking with the wrong foot. <laughs> That's great. Do you remember your initial reaction when you first met Dyer? Mainly, it's through the sports and, and the shop. His mm-hmm. milk bar. Yes. We used to haunt him. Right. Oh, <laughs> he must have got sick of us. Because once you've been to see him play, you know, I'd go with my dad to see. See, Melbourne took over, not took over, but played in their games at Richmond during the war. And if, when he retired, occasionally we'd go down and watch Melbourne play at Richmond. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This was probably around about 42, 43. And, you know, you'd go down there and Melbourne, were, they'd lost uh, premiers 39, 40, uh, 30, 39, 40, 41. But by 42-3, they'd lost all the players to the war. Right. And they'd gone down. Mm. So there weren't many people there. And they'd, it wasn't really much. But then the next week, I might go with my schoolmates. They were Richmond were playing. The place would be jumping. Thousand and Dyer was there, you know, and like when you're a kid and you see Dyer, you know, just most sort of very easily converted to Richmond. Mm. Mm. But I sort of, we used to go to the, when you go to the pitches, 
Islander cinema or the National in Pitchrade or the Globe down on Swan, near Swan Street or Sainix had a picture theatre up there. So I was to like going to the Globe or Sainix because at half time of the interval and the pictures you could look over to Jack's milk bar, you know, to, to see if Jack was there on a Saturday night. Right. And, so you didn't want to actually buy anything, you just go. Oh, I just yeah, wanted to get something, but yeah. you wanted to see Jack. And quite often, yeah, I wasn't crook on it if Sybil came out, because you know, Jack might, might have gone out somewhere. Like Sybil was a terrific woman, but she wasn't Jack, you know. She wasn't, we wanted to see Jack. Yeah. Quite often, we'd go, his, 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 I think his mother-in-law used to help mind the kids, and, and young Jack and, and uh, Jill and that when um, Jack and Sybil would go out. Mm. And sometimes we'd say to her, could you get Jack's scrapbooks? Scrap <laughs> and she'd bring them out and put them up on the counter and we'd all sit up there and watch it, looking through these scrapbooks. Yeah. Uh, well, we wouldn't go sometimes, never went back to the pictures. Yeah. You know, just go straight home after she'd throw us out. You know? Do you remember some of the early grand finals you went to? Did you go to the grand finals? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't go to 43. Um, I couldn't... I they were out of Carlton, yes. um, but I went to 44 at, at um, St Kilda, the junction. Yeah, with your family? No, I went with the, uh, the chap, my best schoolmate at uh, St Eastwick was a chap called Barry Leonard, and he, his mother and father were related to JJ's Jack Smith, who was the secretary in the 30s, and Danny Ganane, they were all, they were all related. The Leonard's, the Ganane's, the Smith's. So the Leonard's used to be very keen, which and they used to take me to other grounds, you know, sometimes. So I, went, I think I went with them. So you had 44? Yeah. It was a big one. A loss, unfortunately. Yeah, and then I think the next one we played, by that time, was probably 47, I think we played in the first semi-final. That was the first, that was an exciting game because it was the first game which been played in a final after they went back to the Melbourne, 46, they went back there, the finals, but Richmond weren't in the final, but they got in in 47. Mm-hmm. It was a huge crowd, Fitzroy and Richmond. So that was a real thrill to see them play a final game. So you missed 43, did you end up going to 67? Oh, yeah, I went to, yeah, went to all the others. Oh, good. All the others, even the losing ones, you know, 72, yeah, 82. Yeah, you know, I went to all the... I hardly missed a game, you know, when I stopped playing. It was during, there's a period when I, after I left Richmond, 50, I played a little bit in 53, and 54 till about 60 odd, 61 or two. I, I didn't see a lot of the, I used to see occasional game. So I'm a little, my history's not that great on players of that period. Okay. Like I know them by name, um, but I, uh, it was quite a lot of them I missed, you know, players that played a handful of games I missed. So um, when I get to that period in the history, I'm, I was playing away and a little bit. Uh, but I did see Richmond play a lot. lot. Yeah. It's a ritual, you know. Great. And even as a kid, you know, when you were young, you used to get the, the, uh, the tickets, the members' tickets, if you were, even if you didn't have one. The school used to get them if you were good. You did some good work. They give you a ticket, a members' ticket for the day, for the Saturday, and then you have to return it on the Monday. And then somebody, yeah, they'd farm them out. I think they used to give everyone a go. But so you got one? You got a few sometimes? Yeah, yeah, I got a few. Used to go down. Good seats? Oh, they were no, they were just. You got into the members, yeah. Now I started selling lollies down there. Like with them in trade. You did? Yeah. Right. Yeah, we used to walk around. You'd walk around the inside of the oval. During the game? Yep. And oh. sail back over the fence to the people on the first few rows. You know, there'd be some going that way and some going that way. You'd meet across, you know. I can remember selling lollies there one day when um, uh, playing Footscray. And I, and I can remember it as clear as, as anything because. You could hear the players and the thunder of the feet and that, like, while they were walking around the boundary line, because they wouldn't let you do it now, you know. But I can remember this day we were at Richmond playing Footscray, and I was around near the 
the social club building where the race is there, you know, where they come to the race. That's where the umpires and that used to come out of. And, and the cricketers used it during the summer and it was pretty dirty and dry and dusty sort of, must have been either towards the end or at the start of the year because I remember it was very dry and dusty because how I remember it was Dyer I was watching, you know, Dyer was coming one way and this Footscray guy was coming the other way. Dyer was heading down towards the, the um, Brighton Avenue end of the ground and this Footscray bloke was heading up towards the front road end. Mm. And, they, and they both went to pick up the ball and it would happen, oh, I'd say within six or seven metres from where I was standing. And Dyer, they both bent to sort and as Dyer scooped it up with one hand, he tucked his shoulder and he hit this bloke. And the fellow went oh, up in the air like a sailor, he was hit by a ball, you know, like the, And then I could see in the dust, there was all dust flying, you know, and next minute the bloke was lying flat on the ground and, and Dyer could see number 17 running around, bouncing the ball around the boundary, just running away from me, you know, to, going towards the Richmond Air. Oh, I could hear the whack when they hit, when they hit, you know. And the bloke went up in the air. He did. Thomas picked up the ball as he hit him. It was unbelievable how he did it. And he just hit the sky with full force of the shoulder. And the bloke was they both going for the ball because I got it. He picked it up with sort of one hand. But yeah, he was uh, he was something special, guy. How much were the lollies? Oh, uh, minties and. Uh, we weren't a big array. It wasn't great. Uh, I don't know how they were, but uh, probably they had sixpence a packet or something. But yeah, yeah. they weren't. Um, there wasn't a, a great huge array of them. I can remember minties and um, I think Hadley's crumble bars or something. There were a few things like that. But, yeah. but I remember one day I got into this social club. It was a cricket club actually. Yeah. It's a cricket club stand then, and I got round there. Early, we're playing a big match, Carlton, Essendon or Colin, one of the big teams. And I sold out in five minutes, I reckon. The whole tray, empty. Yeah. The only trouble was I couldn't get back to the place to get more, because I couldn't get out of the crowd. It was huge. The, 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 where you used to get the supplies was right over on the top of the hill, over on the, uh, near the um, railway. Yeah. Uh, well, there used to be an old bar there. And at the back there was a little store and used to get your supplies. And I couldn't get back. By the time I got, did fight my way back the place. I was in trouble because he said, where have you been, you know? Should be getting back and sell some more, you know? <laughs> I said, I couldn't get out of the cricket club. It was just packed. Did you, did you, did you know the name of the Footscray player who got? No, I've been going to look it up and just see if, if my recollections of Spot on, you know. Was it? A, it was a punt road, wasn't it? It was a yeah. punt road. Yeah. It would have would have been in the um, you know middle forties, I reckon. Yeah. Um, but it was during the year. It was a it was definitely a footscray play. But I, 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 I think it was. I'm pretty certain. Mm. But I still remember Di running. I could still see number seventeen running away from me. Yeah. yeah. But uh, like it was really frightening to hear the crash and and just uh, be right in them just about in it. Yeah, which is crazy that they let people. In yeah. fact, I've seen other photos. They were doing it even earlier than that in the thirties, now because I've got some photos of them unveiling the premiership flag from at the club, maybe the thirty-four premiership, and you can see the lolly kids standing there among the players. Amazing. Let me check the tape. And the questions were. In your first season, yep. you uh, did something that not many players did. You started in the thirds yeah. and finished yep. in the singles. In 1951, um, even though I played in the thirds and the seconds in 50, yeah. I, um, oh. I, I was really a cricket fan and I played in the um, finals for the cricket team I was playing with yeah. and virtually we... Our grand final finished the day, uh, the week before the footy season started. Oh, really? So I'd been playing in the seconds and that in 50, but in 51, I, as soon as the cricket finished, I went down to training and Panham 
said to me, where you been? You know, and I said, I play cricket. <laughs> and he said, well, I was a mad cricket fan, you know, I always wasn't. He said, well, you'll be back in the thirds then, you know? Right. Because I hadn't played in a practice game or trained or anything. Yeah. So I started the first game of the year in the thirds. Yeah. And then I, was, I think I, I played um, a couple of games in the thirds and then went in the seconds and then later in the year went in the thirds. So I was a surprise that you were selected for the first. Uh, oh, no, I've been going all right. I've been doing pretty well. Right. I think I came third and run a third in the best and fairest for the second set year. Uh, so I was, I was sort of, yeah, I knew I was going all right. They used to give an award, the second used to give it 10 shillings or something for the best player. Yeah, I'll find that a few times. Last one. 10 shillings wasn't much, but it was something in those days. I thought they didn't give you a hat or something. Well, actually, it was, it was funny, you know, I, I went third best affairs in the second two years running, yeah. and they gave me um, a smoker's stand each time. Both years. <laughs> Not ever smoked in my life. <laughs> you know, those pop-up ones, I was, if I had them now, they'd be worth a fortune, yeah. you know. But, uh,
that I've learned, yeah, virtually right through. Can you just tell me what was the what was the museum like in its infancy stages compared to what it is now? I mean, well, when we are, I remember having, I remember going with Dentist Coach, and you're going to the um, the lockers and stuff to the back yeah. room, and that, there was this memorabilia on the yeah, wall. There. That was, was that the boardroom? Yeah, the old board, the sharp right. boardroom. That's yeah. where all the yeah, and they had the cabinets with with all the minute books and um, right. all that in there. Yep. Um, which was uh, there was one thing that sort of I was worried that when they rebuilt. Mm. They just said, get all the stuff out of the boardroom. Mm. And I was in turmoil. I was just dumped up in that room up where the, where the, um, where the museum is. Mm. And I was really worried when we started to, to document all the minute books. Mm. Because I didn't know what had gone, if any had gone missing. Because mm. we'd never, they weren't documented before that. Mm. And when I started, I did them. And there was a lot of gaps, as you know, mm. so I thought perhaps we'd lost some. But then one day I was reading through the um, through, through an old scrapbook mm. up there and I saw a, a piece on Richmond and it was saying, in the 30s, mm. and it was saying that they had some wonderful uh, cricket, uh, football history in their archives, including these minute books that commenced on such and such a date, and mm. that's the first date that we had. Right. So I knew then that Nothing before that had gone missing. Mm. So did the club have a lot of stuff when they did that initial, you know, move? The move, oh, mainly well, we've got it virtually all up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it was the way it was just dumped up in the room because they were <laughs> these sort of places when they're clearing out to build something new, they want it all out in a few minutes, you know. Sure, of course. So we got some of the present day players to help us carry all the files over, and yeah, it was. You know, all those big strong footballers picking up those spiral cabinets and carting them up to the museum. They put that on the resume, <laughs> saving the club's history. Yeah. But anyway, we, we finally got it all up there and then tried to get it in order. Um, You've done a great job. Because uh, um, Jim Malone and Leon Daphne decided to get Swepps to um, pay and sponsor it. And they got um, Eric Leach's group to come in and sort of do it up and clean it up a bit. Mm-hmm punch a hole in the wall there at one side where the bell is hanging there, mm-hmm. that, that bit of wall through there. Like, so, yeah, there was a bit of work done there. Right. Um, but, yeah, so when the, when the uh, historical group was formed, um, we didn't have a museum then. Mm-hmm. It was only later on, the 96, first three years, we used to have our meetings in the boardroom. Well, it's certainly grown since when I remember seeing it. Oh, yeah. There's a little yeah. tacker just... Uh, well, we have got some photos of it as just a bare room before yeah. we put anything up on it. Yeah. And um, we've got some down there. It's great effort. It's great effort. I have one last question. Yes. I remember you told me a story once. I can't remember who the player was. On a country trip, he decided to... might have been Mopsy Fraser, I'm not too sure. Don Fraser. Don Fraser. Don was my idol as a kid. Are you able to tell me just about Don, if you don't mind telling yeah. that story once no, more for the record? Yeah. Don was was a real. Um, he was he was my idol. I, I just thought he was a tremendous player. Yeah. He, you know, Don was the best, probably the best player in the sort of down. Really? Yeah. And then then there was a group of players that's very hard to to split, like your dad and yeah. um, Burke and Hart and all those players. So the champions, you know. But Fraser was, wasn't a champion like as far as those. Mm-hmm. But he was he was a real. Uh, Character, mm. he was. He, he was. Yeah. I, as I said, my uncle was he one of his friends, or and another mate of his were they all friends? And I could remember playing the practice games with him, and he'd he'd, um, he'd say to me, "I'll be playing in the back pocket in the seat in a practice game, and Mops would be full back." And he'd say, oh, I'm a, "Yeah, I'm not worried today. So uh, I'll catch him, you kick him." He said, when I get it, he said, you start running. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'd, and he'd mark over the, you know, it was a beautiful mark, and he'd just mark over the pack, and he'd, he'd boot it out. I'd start running, you know, and he'd punch it out to me, or kick it over me. Every time, but I was just like running around, bouncing the ball, you know, having a picnic. But he did, he, he, the last game in 1952, he was, he went to, um, he was at the, Kick six goals, I think it was, to to win the kick a hundred goals for the year, mm-hmm. and, and he kicked them by 
half-time. But then he never got another kick after that. And Richmond won the game. I think Pike Coleman kicked six out of about nine goals. He said he kicked and Richmond won. But the guy said that the committee said Fraser could dive. And uh, he, he was, um, you know, they, they told him he wasn't welcome back at the club. But the, the, we played the Ovens and Murray up at, uh, up on the border, up at Coral. And uh, he... he he was, we, we said, well, the club weren't going into state that year, they were going the next year. Mm-hmm. So, the club, the players just decided to have a bit of a weekend away up at this place. Yeah. So, they got up there and, and there's no Mopsy. I remember we played in the seconds final. Oh, so you got to the car and there was no Mopsy. Well, no, we got Di met us at the race after the seconds yep. final. Yep. Di was down there to have a look at the car. Yeah. And he got there and then he said, and when we went round to the arrangements where anyway, the people who were going with Dyer mm. and Fraser were to meet him after the game. So Barry Barrett and Brown and I go around and Dyer said, oh, we've got a problem. I said, what's wrong? He said, I can't find Mopsy. I said, well, we've got a real problem because he's, he's our treasurer. <laughs> so when we got up, so I had a little Morris Miner at the time, so Barry and I went home and got the Morris out. Mm. So I said, I'll have to try and find him. Because a lot of the senior players who weren't playing in the seconds, who were ineligible to play seconds, they'd all gone up on Friday or Thursday. So they were all staying up there. And the government were put in all the year to pay for all the things. Yeah. So Dyer found him, brought him up later. Barry and I went up in my little car. But when, uh, when uh, Mopsy got up there, because all the money's gone. Mm. 
and um, Dyer was in the reserve. Matt Dyer was sitting with us in the dugout. Right. Yeah. Pat Canelli, Dyer, Pat Canelli was chairman of selectors, Jack Dyer, Kenny Alston, himself, mm-hmm. all sitting in this little dugout watching the game. And, and Glen Ferry Oval, probably only 20,000 there, if that, but that was plenty out there, you know, and, uh, during the part of the game. I'm sitting there and I saw this policeman walking around the boundary line and he's got this little kid with him. This kid's only tight. He's lost, you know. Mm. And the policeman's bringing him around the ground hoping somebody will see who he is and, and claim it. And it's only my mate's brother, one of the chap I knew, his son, you know. I knew who it was. And I'm sitting there in the middle of the game. What do I do? Do I say to him, I know him. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I didn't know what to do. <laughs> so I had to sort of just sit there and let him <laughs> This was the funniest thing. So he just kept walking by you. Yeah, so he just kept oh, I saw him be mate and his brother later. I said, uh, Dennis, where, where's Dennis? Do you got lost? Yeah, a little bugger, yeah, he got lost. <laughs> he wandered off the footy. That's hilarious. But I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, what do I do? Yeah. How do I do I say to Jack, excuse me, Jack, I'm going to come and try and see if I can find this bike. Yeah, I didn't know what to do. Uh, so you, just, you thought I'm not going to say anything? And I, I didn't say anything. Yeah. Um, did you take the field that day or not? No, no, no. I didn't. I, I played the first game down at uh, Punt Road against Melbourne and um, uh, I played on... Um, but you thought, what's your father's team playing? Yeah, Dave Hayward I played on. Um, he was a, a left footer. And... Um, yeah, I, I do remember, you know, a lot of people said Dyer and I said, you know, it wasn't much of a case. I thought he was Tom Sosbaugh. He, he really did. You now they didn't sort of wrap him up as being a great coach, just a good playing coach, you know. And, uh, you know, he told me how to play with Hayward, you know, and uh, I thought it was quite, you know, smart. But what he said, you know, I was right and it, it sort of worked, you know. Um, but, he, yeah, it uh, I, I, I thought a lot of it. It was the last game, game of the year? Yeah. When you get to Melbourne? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, they were, Melbourne um, weren't. I played on him in the first half and then I played on John Beckwith in the second half. He was only a young player starting out. But mm. it's strange, you know, like, he, he's only a young player. But I can remember uh, him going for a mark in front of me and um, I sort of came in from behind off the whole punch this and I punched as hard as I could and it never moved out of his hand. Never, he, oh, and I thought, gee, where's, you know, I really felt as if he, oh, I thought I had the drop on him, you know, I was going to just punch it away. And I, it gave me the thought then, I thought, this bloke's got something, you know, to mark that with a full bore of fist, I just whacked it. Mm. And I felt it hit it and never moved. And I, I kept an eye on him after sort of the years, you know, he was a terrific mark, yeah. uh, a good player. But he was playing half forward there when he first started. And lastly, the best player you've ever seen play for Richmond? Uh, oh, tough question. That is a tough question. As I, I said to you before, I was a Dyer was probably the best player. Um, like, not so much uh, at all. It's been... Yeah, numerous players sure. and champions yep. and that. But Dyer was a one-off, mm. like he was inspiring. He'd, he'd, you know, he'd play in his last few years, but I never saw him in, the, in his early part of his career, naturally. I only saw him during the war and after. But my dad said that when they played him there in 36, I think it was at Richmond, they hadn't beaten him for 10 years at Punk Road and Melbourne. Um, Dyer got injured. Uh, he didn't go off, he had it, but he had a, he, one arm, he was sort of holding it, hanging, and he couldn't sort of use it. Even. And Checky U said, Oh, we've, at half time, you know, we've got the big cat, he's hurt, we can go on with this, you know. And they did, and, but like Dyer said, he was just terrific, you know, he was only playing on his own. But I saw him later, and when he'd, when he'd go to full forward and be, uh, you know, just towards the end of his career. Richmond would struggle and get behind and, and for five or ten minutes Jack would go in the ruck and, and just physically get the ball down Richmond's end and then 
they catch up or get in front and he'd go back to 4 4. Like he, he was nearly ending October 47 8 or about that time. But that's what he was like even then. You know. in, the, in his last few years, I think he's, I don't know what his stats are, but I reckon he's kicked 60 goals in a season. You know. um, he was great. You know. He didn't miss his little dog punts you know, from the boundary. You'd think. Just like it look funny for a big man like Jack, you know, and he'd do these little dinky kicks and they'd just go, little pies, you know, from the boundaries all over. He's just popping through, you know. He, he, he didn't, it didn't look right, yeah. you know. I mean, he's a big bloke, strong looking like Jack, you'd expect him to power it, you know. Mm-hmm. But he just do these little dinky drop punts. But yeah, he's from. But he, he'd probably be the, the best player that I've. And, and then I, I sort of bracket, the, I didn't see the 30s guys, which, you know, I knew so much about, but probably then there was, <coughs> we didn't have any dead set champions, we had some good players like Morris and Wright, mm. and they were, well they were champions I suppose, but uh, but then the 60s and 70s, 80s, you know, we've had some champions. And is there anyone who you thought was underrated as a player? People don't maybe normally talk about as much, but you thought, you know, this guy was actually quite a good player. Oh. Like you played with, watched, or saw. Yeah, uh, I thought Desi Rowe was a, was a, well, he was rated, but yeah. but when he played, he he he, um, he appealed to me because Des sometimes might have um, been beaten by a non-descript sort of player, right? But when he played on the they play him on the real top big names yeah. like Flanagan or Davis or okay. not so much uh, the um, um, uh, centre half like Dine and Kevin Dine and all, all the players with big names mm. and there's a beater mm. yeah he, he, he was he never got the real real kudos probably he was a really underrated uh, uh, good player this yeah. I, I used to like his style because when you go out and they'd say we're going to play against the top team and we're a good player and you think oh this black will beat us but they would hold it or beat him, you know okay. so he was underrated but, uh, there's, been, you know, there's been some some really mm. good uh, good players but mm. I, I don't know anyone that I could say was wrong uh, all the blacks that I've go on would, would be um Fairly well recognised. Yeah. Any comments you want to say to anyone who listens to this interview in <laughs> ten years' time, a hundred years' time, uh, anything like that about football itself and what it meant to you? Anything? Any last words? Uh, any last well, words? the only thing that I've um, that I've got to say about say clubs like Richmond, um, it's the changes make it a little bit harder because. Administrations, um, it's changed. We've, got, we've gone from the days of Molly Fleming and Harry Dyke, 30 years on the board, and uh, 19 years as second president, and all that sort of and That's all gone, and clubs were not run like that now. But when the administrators come in now, they might only be there for four or five years, and, and they can do a lot of damage if, if um, you know. Then, let, then they go, uh, it's a job, and you can understand that, they're trying to improve their life, way of, their way of life. So they're going, they come in and they work for a few years and they try their hardest, I don't, I'm not saying that they But they make some boards and, and, and administrators make some silly decisions, and then the next lot are there to pick it up. Mm. It's, a, it's a big business, mm. it doesn't always work properly. Quite right. Yeah, you know, someone will come in and say we're going to prioritise marketing, uh, and, and, um, and then we're going to prioritise the uh, our merchandise. Okay, then next time come in they say we're going back to you know, and, and this is, this sort of thing worries me in, uh, in football and it's probably it's in all sports. But the gone are the days where the, the reliable old secretary was there for years and years. I mean, the club was fairly stable all those times. Now it's like that. So the graphs go up and down, so violent. But 
one minute you, you know, you million dollars, you can be a million dollars in debt in a snap of the fingers. Yeah. That's what that's what worries me. And, and a lot of people move on and, and leave um, leave the damage behind. Mm. Yeah. Um, so as you said before, the volunteers they, they work for nothing. Though, so they're always <laughs> well. I think I think you're one of the last of the true. Yep, um, long service, we should say. It won't be like that. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time, Ronald or Donald. I'm not too sure what to call you by the first name, but let's call you Ron. Um, I appreciate your time. Good on you, mate. Thank Thanks, you. Sir. Cheers.